All right, hold on. Woman in love. I'm going to sing it to you whilst it's here. I don't know it yet. I don't know yet. Oh, it feels like a bit of a BG song, though. Oh. Oh, do you know what? I am a woman in love. I can't help but feel it. Oh, Paul, I'm in. I'm in. to another episode of the Movie Chef Podcast, where we make a meal out of movies. I'm your host, Tebs. With me is my partner in crime, Corm. Say hello, Corm. Hello, Corm. Uh, this week, we are bringing you a Ghostbusters special, and in the spirit of Black Friday, it is going to be 20% off, because one of us haven't, hasn't seen Ghostbusters in <laughs> life yet. So, so, so this is good. Half, half now, half later. This is going to be a, a Black Friday special, where we give you 20% of the podcast, and then... You can just steal the other 20% later on. How are you, my friend? How are you this week? You work, you notoriously work in retail, and this is obviously I one do. of the busiest shopping days for America. Uh, so tell me how busy it's been in Belfast. It's been busy. Uh, I I will say this, that it hasn't been as busy. Any Black Friday hasn't been as busy since the first one, um, because I believe that the retail majority over here built Black Friday up to hype, 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 hype. Um, and people started just believing that they'd get half price off everything. Or things will go down to a penny. Or things will be things will be a pound. Or TVs, Sony TVs, a pound. Uh, no, no, it's it's like twenty thirty pound off a TV that generally is has twenty thirty pound off the TV anyway. But listen, it is what it is. They, the, where I work, done really really well. So thumbs up all round. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, I work for an internet retailer of electronic goods and other things. Um, and it is all about Black Friday. It's getting people into work extra. It's it's doing millions of pounds worth of orders in a single day, and it's insane how much gets done. Absolutely oh, yeah. insane. But it opened my eyes to it a few years back when uh, I was in Tesco, and um, I said to them, like, you never sell Polaroid TVs, but you are doing for Black Friday. And this is when he said to me, he goes, oh, yeah, they get the Polaroid TV in, and they sell it for, like, 500 quid in Aberdeen and Plymouth for six months and they put one on the shelf and they know nobody's going to buy it because it's way overpriced. And then when Black Friday hits, you flood the shops with that same TV, reduce it by 150 quid because that's what you've been selling it at and then everybody thinks they're getting a bargain when really they're buying a normal Polaroid TV at a normal price. I always remember the first Black Friday for the game retailer that I worked worked for Mm. and I... This woman kept coming in every two days. So if you, do you know the deal set? Do you know the deal set? Oh, listen, we don't know what the deals are. Like, we don't know what the deals are. And the problem, well, not the problem thing, back then, it was all about bundles. What could you put into the console without reducing it? You know, so what, you could get five games, six games, eight games, whatever it was. And sure enough, there was a pretty good deal, if I remember correctly. It was about 350 for an original Xbox One and you got like six games with them. They weren't shit games either. They were like your Call of Duties and your FIFAs and your Assassin's Creed. So your Christmas specials, you know, your AAA titles if people want at Christmas. So this girl 
flat out every two days. What's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? And then the day of Black Friday or the day before Black Friday came, she came in and I showed her the deals and she was like, oh, all right, okay, all right, all right. Well, I'll be in tomorrow. I'll be in for tomorrow for the deals, the deals, the deals. She was first in the queue for the Black Friday. Deals, deals, deals. Queued everybody up, got her up to the till. The deals, the deals, the deals. I was the one who was standing in front of the counter and I handed her the sheet and I was like, right, there's the deals. What do you want? She looked at me and she goes, is that it? Stood up and walked out the door. Okay, I was like, for fuck's sake, you've been torturing me. You've torturing me for nearly a month. Torturing me. And you're just fucking, you're looking at the deals. You knew what some of the deals were yesterday. And now you've looked. She actually, do you know what she did as well? She brought a seat. She brought a fucking seat. And then she sat down. And then she and she sat at the fucking at the counter as well. But that's people. That's people. Yeah, people. Fucking hate, I, hate, I don't mind talking to a person. No. And in black at it, right? You talk to a person, fine. Dealing with people, the fucking idiots. Um, but this is late November now, and again, we were having this argument in the office. Well, I was arguing. Everybody else was just winding me up, which made me more and more angry. Um, where do you stand on Christmas tunes now? Are we in Christmas season? I mean, it's towards the end of November, so I think we're getting there. I think a month in is all right. Yeah, for, for me, for me, right? If you like Christmas songs, anytime. After the 20th of November, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's, if you like them, if you want to listen to them, 100%. But I will not force people to listen to Christmas songs until the 1st of December. I'm sorry. That's, 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 that is it for me. When the 1st of December hits, you can, you can carte blanche. You can have as many fucking Christmas songs playing as much as you want. Go for it. And I will support your, 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 your butt. If you want to listen to Christmas songs before the 1st of December, that's a personal choice. Stick your headphones in. I don't want to hear them. Yeah. 100%. I just, I cannot believe the radio has had a month since the 15th. I mean, this is more than a, uh, more than 10% of the year taken up by this fucking hypocritical bullshit. Okay, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you right here, right? So we've talked about Christmas songs. You're going to have to tell me your top three. Oh, Fairy Tale in New York, Shaking Stevens, um, probably Band-Aid, original Band-Aid. Really? Yeah, it's a how you can have a list and not have Kelly Clarkson underneath the tree in that? I don't know. I don't know how you can fucking. I don't know how you can walk tall in the street without. You know, how can you hold your head up high and you've not put Kelly Clarkson in your top three? I'm just saying that. I'm just letting you know that. All right. But you know, what? I'm walking down the corridor with my, with my boss, and he's like, "You really hate Christmas." I'm like, "I fucking hate the whole thing about it." He goes, "What's your favorite Christmas movie?" When when Muppets Christmas Carol <laughs> straight away. <laughs> Muppets Christmas because <laughs> it's not just a Christmas movie, Paul. It's a great movie. It's a great movie for any time. That's mm. just like Die Hard. Muppets mm-hmm. Christmas Carol could be set at any time of the year. Okay, maybe not. Um, right, what have we got on then? Trailers. Let's start with trailers. 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 Uh, don't look up. Uh, the new Adam McKay film with Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I, you know what? I was kind of a bit, mm, I didn't really dig Vice that much. Uh, the big short, whatever it was called, was a bit sort of smug and yeah. going, hey, everybody, look how gorgeous and amazing and funny we are. Uh, and this one, I, I'm, I can buy into this. I'm quite, I'm quite looking forward to this. The story of two sort of scientists work out that there's a... Um, uh, an asteroid, a comet heading to Earth, and it's going to cause a, a worldwide cataclysmic disaster. And of course, they are believed. The government asks them to keep quiet about it. It's very satirical. Meryl Streep's playing. She's playing a female Donald Trump here, isn't she? Come on, let's let's. Well, it's, yeah, it's one of those ones where I think Adam McKay has entered into that director uh, territory, where he can basically name who he wants in his movie. Like you're reading the list of people in this. He's got Streep, Blanchett, Ariana Grande, Ron Perlman, 
Timothée Chamolet, you know, he's in another one. You know, Jonah Hill, uh, Lawrence DiCaprio. He can have anybody in movies, but I'm the same as you. I I, I didn't really care about The Big Short. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't really a big fan uh, of that other one. What was it called? Um, Vice. Vice. I didn't really get into that much. Uh, I get it. He's, he, he's gone from, you know, some of my favorite movies. He's gone from fucking, you know, Step Brothers, uh, Anchorman Ca- Campaign. You know, he's gone. He's Talladega Nights for fuck's sake. He's gone from that, and he's just jumped into straight into Oscar Man. Now he's he's what's the name of that guy who's Three Kings? Um, I Heart Huckabees. What's his name? Matt Wahlberg. No, the director. I can't remember his bloody name now. Well, go on, carry on telling us. I'll find his name. Like he's he seems to he seems to be. Uh, the kind of director that everyone goes to that they know that they're going to at least get nominated. Yeah, David O. Russell. So he did David uh, O. Silver, Russell, Silver Linings. Silver Linings like, playbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like the the Oscar. Yeah, the he, he's an back. actor's an actor's director. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. An yeah. actor's director, and, he, and they like, know they know that they're going to be at least in contention for awards if they enter into one of his movies. And it's like every October they get. Michael Bublé out of hibernation and Ooh. wheel him out and put him on stage, put him in a dicky bar and tell him to sing under the Christmas tree. Uh, yeah. Without a fail, every... It's beginning to look a lot. Get back, Bublé! Um, and, and I think he's ending that way. But yeah, look, it seems... Uh, it, it looks to be a bit of fun. It looks to be a bit of fun. As does the new Hulu TV series. So I'm sure all five Hulu. subscribers of Hulu will enjoy this. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's bigger than five, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pam and Tommy uh, got a new trailer this week with Lily James and Sebastian Stan playing Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Uh, and you know what? I was amazed. No. Nah, hang on. I was amazed how much Lily James has got Pamela Anderson in this. The mannerisms, the looks, the voice, I was impressed by that. Everything else. Do you want to to hear my uh, Tommy Pammy Lee story? Does it involve you having a wank to a video? Because I'm really not interested. No, it does not. It's a very strange story, though. It is a very strange story. Like, I'll I'll admit that. So, obviously, growing up in Oma, the internet connection wasn't great. It was a dial-up connection. And you know when, back in the good old days, when a a picture kind of from the top, yeah, and yeah, you, you okay. kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of got up like half, and you're like, yeah, 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 this is great, this is great. And then kind of stopped, whatever, whatever. That it was that worst time 10. All right. So we went to Canada, and my cousin worked in a video store uh, just outside Paul Grave in Toronto and went in, and she was closing up. And I was, I just spent like a couple of hours, you know, out back because they had all these fucking massive TVs. So I was in the baseball at the time. So I was just watching away at baseball. And uh, she goes, do you want to look at the catalogue? And I was like, what do you mean catalogue? And she goes, the nudie catalogue. I was like, what do you mean nudie catalogue? And she goes, oh, we do like X-rated videos and stuff in here. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, fuck, let's, let's go for it. Let's have it. So I it. Mean, I'm flicking through this. I'm flicking through this. And of course, the covers, it was just the covers of the tapes in like, uh, what do you call them, poly pockets? Yeah, yeah. I was flicking through, flicking through, flicking through. And sure, fuck enough. Up pops Tommy and Pammy Lee. And I was like, Ooh, what is what what is this? And she's like, Oh, that's Pam Anderson's. Do you want me to stick it on? I was like, I mean stick it on. She goes, We're closed now. Do you want me to stick it on all the TVs? I was like, oh, Yes. <laughs> let's do that. Let's let's put this on. So stuck it on. And then obviously Tommy Lee's big monster fucking dong. Like that, oh, it's that, a f- 
It's a it, fucking it, anaconda. Like genuinely, it would. It, it is Gojira. You know, I I I've seen it on multiple fucking screens. Like sitting watching this, I was like, holy shit! What? Like, does a penis even become that big? Do you have to induce it with something? Like, is it is this fucking witchcraft? What is going on here? But yeah, that's my Tommy family story. Okay, so very relevant in order. <laughs> just letting you know. So in terms of the TV series. <laughs> and hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me just end that. I didn't masturbate. All right. <laughs> Bravo. Thank you. Bravo. Thank Bravo. you. Um, yeah, look, I think I think something in this needs the characters nailing down. The uh, And I'm getting that from Lily James. And I was quite amazed by it. Sebastian Stan. I don't just, know. Act like a, just act like a douchebag. Just act like a douche. Yeah. And stick yeah. some ta- ta- tattoos on you and you'll be fine. With a big, massive cock. Yeah. I, oh, do you think they'll go prosthetic? Oh, it's on Hulu. It's Disney, isn't it? Uh, I don't, I don't know. know. Well, well act- let's, let's be honest, Paul. It fully depends on the how large Sebastian Sands' penis is. I don't think we're going to see any banging in this. Mm. I, mm. I think there's going to be a lot of people watching the TV from... Behind, you know, and the cameras behind the TV, and you can hear it in the background. And you can see people's yeah. reactions to it. Oh, oh, yeah, it's one of those closer them ones where you see the shot, and then it kind of goes out of focus. Yeah, and then you see somewhere. a lot of the stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was something mm-hmm. like that. Or it'll all build up to the final episode where <laughs> Wahlberg, we, Wahlberg. <laughs> Wahlberg's the mirror. Yeah, we all know what happens when Wahlberg's the mirror. Um, and I would say third trailer of the week. Um, can I also can I also just say can I also just say that Hulu has ninety nine point seven million subscribers worldwide, five or six, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we also got a trailer, and I say that in inverted commas, bunny ears. We basically got the first five minutes of Jurassic World Dominion released. Uh, they released the epilogue online. Now mm-hmm. it quite links into something quite apt that we're going to talk about from Ridley Scott in a minute. Um, I thought obviously we don't see much in terms of story, etc. But uh, is that where we are with movie marketing now, where we're now releasing the first five minutes of a film just straight onto the internet? It's like this is we can't be bothered to put a trailer together. So here's the first five minutes of the film. I I think sometimes that the movie bosses get a little bit afraid if they wait too long um, for bringing a movie out because they brought out Jurassic world and jurassic world fallen kingdom like two years apart i think two mm. two and a half years apart yeah. and so now it's been it's been what four years since the last one so uh, i think been, some, it would have been two if it wasn't for the pandemic yeah so i think sometimes sometimes they just get a little bit afraid that you know things are going to get forgotten about and people's popularity might fall as well mr chris I, pratt wondering what, what he's doing chris pratt He's got the Mario gig to fall back on. He's fine. But what I was thinking was, why are we now... Uh, imagine Dark Knight, and I know this won't happen with Christopher Nolan, saviour of cinema, but if they'd have released the first five minutes of Dark Knight, the, that bank heist at the beginning, mm-hmm. imagine going into the cinema and not having that sense of thrill and exhilaration, seeing that bank heist at the beginning, knowing you've already seen it on yeah. a 10-inch mobile screen or... But I think I think I I think that was done for a specific purpose because Batman Begins, for whatever people want to say, nobody went to see Batman Begins. Like not very many people went to see Batman Begins. Enough to get a sequel. Well, yes, but you know, you think of the amount of money that Dark Knight did. 
you know, I can guarantee you that Dark Knight probably quadrupled double time the amount of money that Batman Begins made. And I think a lot of it is down to the characters that were in it. Obviously, Joker was in it. So a lot of people, you know, fed into that. Would it have made its money? And again, we're going way off topic now. But do you think Dark Knight would have made over a billion back in 2008, seven, if Heath Ledger hadn't have died? Oh, yeah. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would have, yeah. Okay. It was popular from the off. Yeah, it was popular from the off. And I, I genuinely I genuinely believe that, you know, Joker is a, is a big enough character to carry an entire movie and an entire franchise himself. You know, genuinely, genuinely believe that. Well, um, what appears to be somebody who can't carry an entire movie or is blaming it on somebody else is Ridley Scott. Um, <laughs> he was on Mark Maron's uh, WTF podcast uh, recently, and he has said he knows who to blame uh, for the epic failing of his recent film, The Last Duel. And he doesn't blame Disney or Marvel or anyone like that. Um, he blames millennials. Okay. Strange way to go. Uh, 27 million worldwide off a hundred million pound off a hundred million dollar budget. It's a Disney did a fantastic job of promoting the film. Uh, the bosses loved the movie. I wasn't concerned about them. Um, I said I think what it boils down to what we've got uh, got today are the audiences who were brought up on these fucking cell phones. The millennium uh, millennial uh, do not ever want to be taught anything unless you're told it on a cell phone. This is a broad stroke, but I think we're dealing with it right now with Facebook. This is misdirection, what happen- has happened here, where it's uh, given the wrong kind of confidence to this last latest generation, I think. Basically, is, again, he's blaming people for not wanting to watch a film on a phone, or millennials, or the youth, the youth of today being fed all their information through phones and TV and YouTube. And, well, is he... he is he kind of got a bit of sort of? Is he a bit sore because he's you know another one of his uh, masterpiece films has bombed at the box office and is trying to find somebody to blame for it? Yes, yes, yeah. big thing. I mean, the the one thing that that I will will put through to this is that I'm sorry, Ridley. As much as I fucking love uh, a lot of his movies, um, people just don't know who Ridley Scott is anymore, and. I don't think that I don't think that he knows that he's just not as big of a draw as he once was. Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't think it has anything to do with people fucking watching movies on their cell phones. I mean, what the fuck does that mean? Like, what genuinely? What does that mean? That yeah. people won't people won't go to the cinema because they have cell phones? Well, I'm I'm sorry, Ridley, but you know, you you take a look at fucking Bond who will probably pass the billion pound mark worldwide uh, in, during a pandemic. You know, I'm sorry, Mr. Ridley, look at Shang-Chi that's pulled out 600 million worldwide. Eternals have probably passed through about 500 million as well. You know, if if the product and the people behind it, and I'll be honest, I have not, I, I didn't see the last jewel advertised that well at all. So I don't know what I the fuck he's talking, talking about. I saw a lot of talk online about it, but very little. Uh, I mean, look, just going back about Ridley Scott's, you know, box office draw, as it were. I mean, um, I'm looking here. He's, he's done sort of from 2013 onwards. Exodus, Gods of Kings. You know, I'm looking at over, you know, $100 million plus movies to make. Mm. Uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings, 268 at the worldwide box office. That was 2014. The Martian did 655, but that had a lot of juice behind it. 
Um, the Martian. The Martian was a very big book as well. Alien Covenant, two hundred thirty-eight million worldwide, off a hundred million. Well, probably more than hundred million dollar um, executive producer. All all the money in the world, uh, which cost notoriously cost probably an over a hundred million because of all the reshoots they did with Kevin Spacey. Um, mm. Fifty-six million at the box office. He's done nothing that has made over. 500 million at the box office since the Martian. And I would um, be very I would be very surprised if anything else other than Gladiator has 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 reached that money-wise Prometheus in the past 30 years. Prometheus 400 million, Gladiator 456 million. Really? Nothing I else. Know, is it, but has that changed for No, no, that was but that's based on year 2000. So America. now that's probably, you know, that would be probably pushing like 900 million or something, but based off what it'd taken. Ridley Scott is not a big box office draw. No, he's not. He makes great films, don't get me wrong. Very The, the films you watch, you look down them on and you go, yeah, I enjoyed that. That was a good film. It, it, is he kind of, do you think he's feeling sort of like he's being undersold by not having an audience? He, get, he keeps getting told your films are great, but nobody's right. going to know- see him. Do you know what it stinks of to me? It stinks of a person who is completely fucking out of touch with the world. It's, you know, that a whole pile of people have told him why his movie failed and he has just taken that on. Oh, yeah, it's the millennials. What are these bloody people watching phone or watching movies on their phones? I watch fucking movies on my phone and I go to the cinema quite regularly. But what the fuck does that mean? So, again, I'm, I'm struggling to see. Is he going down the route of saying... I'm upset my work isn't being seen on the screen uh, and people are pirating. Is no, it, I, don't think, I don't think it is. Let's, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. I, I, like, genuinely, I remember the last duel, the last duel, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, do you know what? I'd watch it for some TV. I, I, would be, I wouldn't fucking even have the time to, to legally download it. I'd be like, you know what? No, I'll just wait till I see it on TV one day. And he's got the House of Gucci coming out, which... Um... You know, this is a, another Oscar baiting film. Lady Gaga. Starring. He's making a lot. He's making an awful lot of fucking movies at any three. Like he's doing an awful lot. He's doing an awful lot. But yeah, I keep seeing him on the advert at the uh, at the cinema. He's it's the John Boyega advert. You know about turn your phone off and watch oh, the film. Do you know what? Do you, don't, I, I, uh, don't watch it on a laptop. Ah, don't uh, watch it on your house nothing TV. Nothing watching a movie in the cinema because cinemas are great. No, no do you know what? Do you know what I hate about that advert? It's going, mm. we all like to tell stories. We tell mm. stories with that. It's fuck off. Pay <laughs> your money. Go to the cinema. It looks great. It's a big yeah. picture. It's booming fucking sound and you'll be comfortable and it's a night out. Sell it for what it is. Instead, it's arty farty shite from Ridley Scott and John Boyega going, oh, people want to tell stories. People are encapsulated by story. Fuck off. Just be honest. It's yeah. great. It's great night out, and you, and it's better than watching that shite at home. Why don't just be honest about it? People switch off. Fucking Ridley Scott. Anyway, I might watch. I might download the last jewel. I might. I might legally I download it <laughs> and watch it on my phone. Just and, yeah. and then leave a review on IMDb saying would it be good on a bigger screen? <laughs> at, at Ridley Scott and then in the review. Sweet. I hope you find this Ridley. <laughs> and, and then screenshot the page and email Ridley Scott promotion. <laughs> I wanted to make sure one hundred percent you read this shit. If I'm, to be fair though, in his in his defence, if I'm 83 and still kicking around, you know, I'll be I'll be over the fucking moon. If I'm still yeah. working and, and putting as much as much effort and fucking love and attention into movies and having so much passion 
you know, in the movies that I'm still making, you know, fair play to him. I'm not saying he's a bad director, but for me, it kind of, when you start... Attacking, I know, just listen, listen, I know what you're saying. When you start attacking he's, your he's audience, no, he's no, not going to see it. It's like, you're a sore loser. He, he's no Tony Scott. All right, we all know that. He's no Tony Scott. He's no Tony Scott. He's a, yeah. he's a, he's a poor man's Tony Scott. Really. He, he, is, he is trying still to make The Last Boy Scout. Ridley Scott wants to make The Last Boy Scout because that's what, that's the Tony Scott, Last Boy Scout, R.I.P. 1991 and still one of the greatest action movies ever made. Quick quiz, top three films at the box office for Ridley Scott. Martian, The Martian, Gladiator and Prometheus, okay? Mm-hmm. So what do you think are the top three worldwide box office films for Tony Scott and how much did they take? 655, 456 oh, okay. and 400 million for... for... Well, number one's Top Gun. Right. Um, see, I'm popping between Beverly Hills Cop two. I'll go. I'll go. Top Gun number one. Beverly Hills Cop number two. And I'm gonna go Enemy of the State number three. Oh, well done, Chef. Really? Sacre bleu. Chef's kiss to you. Top Gun number one, three hundred fifty-seven million. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, 276. Enemy of the State, 250 million. Can't then, beat Star Power. Star Power. Eddie Murphy, um, Tom Cruise, Will Smith, boom. And you actually messaged me the other day. He actually directed the 2010 film Unstoppable. And you you te- messaged me the other day and said, what do I find really annoying about films that nobody else does? And I <laughs> said to you, the film Unstoppable. And do you know why it really irritates me, that film? Hmm. Because it's entirely stoppable. You've just shown <laughs> it's it's stoppable. That train is stoppable. You could, you could have just not made it. Made it. I thought you, I thought you just made you could you could have just not made the movie. <laughs> or you could have just called it "Is it unstoppable?" Question mark. That would have been more accurate rather than just well, unstoppable. Well, just to add it in, mines was people doing magic on the movie. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't me sort of saying, well, "Was it like card tricks or some doing sleight of hand?" No, no. Straight up spells and everything. I like a Zam. I mean, because it's always one of those ones. It's always like a, a 30-year-old or 40-year-old actor. Like, oh, and it's like, well, there's nothing there. You, <laughs> why are you oh, acting like that? <laughs> do you remember the kids' TV shows from UK where the guy used to sort of click his fingers at his head and run his hand down his body and he just used to switch his clothes by yeah. magic? And you're like, you're crazy. Like Sabrina, um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Kind of, yeah. That's exactly yeah, what yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> um, right, so we've had um, a first look, or rather a very dark behind-profile photo from Baz Luhrmann's um, Elvis biopic. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring Austin Butler as the king, uh, Tom Hanks is also in there. Um, uh, again, I'm I'm digressing here, but if you get the opportunity to see Tom Hanks in Finch, go and see it, watch it, and stream it. It is wonderful. Really, it's my one of my favourite films of 2021. Wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Okay. Um, but when we do, we'll do a review of the year, and we're going to find our top. We're going to probably do our top five of uh, of the 2021 and top five be... movies, top five TV shows. I think we should add. Yeah, let's do five, that. So five, that'll be five, at the end. Five. That'll be at the end of uh, end of December when we'll do that. We'll look back at, but that will be on there for me. And if you get a chance, um, so do we want to see Baz Luhrmann do Elvis? <laughs> excuse, <laughs> excuse the pun. <laughs> Listen, Baz Luhrmann makes a beautiful movie. It does. Uh, he makes an absolutely artistically beautiful movie. I just don't know where he's going to go with this. I don't know whether it's going to be like 
you know, out there like Moulin Rouge or, you know, or yeah. Romeo and Juliet, or I don't know if it's going to be a Gatsby, if it's going to be a period piece. I just, I can't, I cannot pin it down. I don't know what kind of movie that he's going to make. And to be honest with you, if it's Elvis, you probably should just stick to the music. You know what I mean? I think you can stick to the music, but I think you can, everything that he does is kind of like hyper-realism. Uh, yeah. The characters are sort of cartoon caricatures. They, they, it's hyper reality. His films, rather than uh, a, a reflection. So I can see there being some kind of sort of twist. To it. Baz, you know, when you said you don't know about Ridley Scott and what kind of director he is, you mm. know Baz Luhrmann. Same way you know Wes Anderson. Same way that yeah. you know Steven Spielberg. You know what you're getting. Maybe not with Ridley Scott, but with Baz Luhrmann, I think you know what you're going to be getting, and you're not just getting a straight. You're not getting um, Bohemian Rhapsody here. I think no. that's going to be somewhat uh, a lot more um, loyal, for want of a better word. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And yet, since you showed me Strictly Ballroom, which I thought I was going to hate you for, uh, yeah. and I just can't think, help stop thinking what a wonderful film that is. Well, I've you've just popped Wes Anderson into my head there, and I am very much looking forward to watching The French Dispatch. Uh, I, yeah. I am. I am. I'm, I'm literally. I'm. I'm on tender hooks, waiting and hoping for it to come into the cinema here in in, in Greater Belfast area. Uh, yeah. But I haven't seen it up yet. I'm really, really, really. I, I fucking loved the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, I thought it was. It was. It was probably one of my favorite movies in the last ten years. Probably top ten favorite movies in the last ten years. Utterly, utterly, an utter joy. Wes Anderson really irritates me. Not him as a person, his films really irritate me. Fantastic right. Mr. Fox, Royal Tannenbaum, Steve Zizou, the, the, the just uh, very knowing. It's like, look at us, look what we're doing. We're making a yeah, film. But you no, no, but just, you, it, I know, but you it does the whole that. work. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, Grand Budapest Hotel, um, Ralph Fiennes was wonderful in that. I thought that was a really great film. Uh, and, it, uh, and I don't usually like films where they're making it obvious that you're watching a film. Yeah, you know, it, stuff that Tarantino does, Baz Luhrmann to an extent, uh, Wes Anderson, they take you out of it because of the way the shots are framed and the colours and the, everything. It makes you know you're watching it and it keeps get me invested that much. But Grand Bud- Budapest Hotel, even though I cannot remember a single thing about it, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I, 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 there's not a there's not another director out there. I can't think of one that I haven't watched one of their movies now i haven't seen the darjeeling limited i haven't seen it um but overall zazu uh rushmore fantastic fox tenenbaums what was it moonrise kingdom uh isla dogs grand budapest uh most of those i i would say i would probably give them like an eight or a nine out of ten but i really really enjoyed them did you come out there wes anderson movie and you actually feel good do you know what i mean like you feel like you feel like you've just watched a good movie, and I was like, yeah, I like that. Um, so moving on, I mean, we were looking here about uh, King Richard, uh, which was released um, simultaneously along HBO Max and in cinemas. Struggled to do over six million in its first weekend for a Will Smith headlined film. Um, probably mm-hmm. a bit of an Oscar baiting film as well, if uh, you don't mind me saying. Uh, but it had to fend fight off against. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife and Ghostbusters has been up, uh, doing rather well actually, eight seven eight seven million at the box office at mm-hmm. the minute. So, do you th- I'm reading a lot from a few different sort of. I try to read stuff from like cinema 
people who look at the cinema business, you know, the box office numbers rather than the films themselves. And mm-hmm. they're saying now oh, there seems to be this trend now that the big AAA films, they're getting the people through the door, but your lower indie stuff isn't. And like The Last Jewel, House of Gucci, um, you know, it released, it's done 21 million in the two weeks it's been out now. For Lady Gaga, um, what's his name from Star Wars, sort of Jared Leto, you know, it's packed yeah. with beautiful, beautiful people. Directed Adam by Driver? People. Adam Driver, that's the silly song. Um, but it's beautiful people with talking fashion and drama and tragedy, and it's Fast done 21 one. million. And I think what the, a lot of people are saying now is that the, the big the big films are getting the, the attention, and the, the lesser stuff is people are just avoiding it. They're waiting for it to come on streaming. Yeah, but I think that 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 habit and that kind of scenario has been happening for quite a while now. You know, it's not just a a post pandemic uh, fad that movies like this aren't making that much money. You know, you look at it any any movie that comes out as Oscar fodder, which this is, will be, Will Smith will more than likely be nominated for an Oscar for this. Um, it's been getting pretty good reviews. Uh, you know, people have been talking about it. At the end of the day, movies would or cinemas would rather put movies in, in the screens. They would rather have four Shang Chi's to every one King Richard because they know it's going to make them money. It's going to make them money back. Um, but these movies kind of live and die on award season time. You know, when they start winning awards and when they start getting re released back into cinemas, this is when they start making their money back. And more than likely, this will probably be one of them. I'm just having a look here at um, Venom Let the Be Carnage has done 470 million now at the worldwide box office. No Time to Die, 758 million. I think they're kind of glad they didn't sell that to Netflix for like 300 million now. I think that's managed to to make its money. Um, Eternals, I'm going right down the list here. It's not made a lot at all. 368 million. Uh, Well behind Black widow well behind june behind shang chi behind godzilla versus kong um yeah and that came out that came out in the middle of the pandemic (laughs) that came out in the middle of pandemic and it was released on hbo max at the same time uh yeah it's it's taken a battering but uh okay so yeah that's the box office stuff that's going on what else do we anything else from you sir from the week that's just gone I'm trying to think what I've watched on TV, um, but I haven't really had a lot of time to watch it. <laughs> do you know what I've watched a lot of? Do you know what I've watched a lot of time of? Judge Judy. <laughs> okay, well, thanks everyone for coming this week. Yeah. <laughs> do you know how many episodes there is in the season of Judge Judy? I didn't know there were seasons of Judge Judy. Two hundred and forty episodes, Paul. Two hundred and forty episodes per season. How much can go wrong? Here, answer me this. Who is the highest paid star on reality TV in the United States? Is it Judge Judy? It's fucking Judge Judy, Paul! (laughs) Right, one last bit of news then. Um, Delroy Lindo. Delroy. Delroy has been announced to be joining Mahashala Ali. I'm getting closer with them names. (laughs) There you go. I've gone from just mumbling them to try and pronounce them. Um, in the new Marvel Blade film, um, he's, he's Whistler, isn't he? He's yeah, of course he's Whistler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, he's, I have so much love for, for Delroy. Uh, oh, yeah. Get, get Shorty. 
Um, still one of the best movies ever made, and don't care what anyone says. Uh, Gone in 60 Seconds, fantastic. But did you know a little fact about Delroy? That um, he was born in England. Was he? He was. I thought you were going to tell me he was born in Oma. No, he wasn't born in Oma, no. No, no Sam Neill, the guy who's in Jurassic Park, worldwide celebrity Sam Neill. He was born in Oma. Thank you for that. <laughs> just like to know. Sam, if you ever want to come on the podcast, just give us a shout. <laughs> what do you think was Delroy Lindo's biggest box office hit? <laughs> oh, Delroy Lindo, okay. Right, well, we're thinking, I'm thinking a lot. I'll give you a clue. It was a voice, I... voice acting role. See, you have me already, because I was going to say Romeo Must Die. Three, four, five, six, seven. Number eight. Number eight. Ninety-one million. No, hold on, he was. Hold on, don't, 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 don't. Voice. It was a voice cast. Yeah. Was he an Good. animal? Yes, I think so. Probably. Probably. Maybe. Was he in Sing? No. Could have been, but not in this. Pixar. Oh, hold on. Was he in that movie with Amy Poehler? No, Inside Out. Uh-huh. No, it was no. in Up. It was in Up. It was in Up? Yeah, I never did even know it was in Up. It probably he was. He was in Up. He was in the film Up, which I'm about to tell you. Beta, basically one of the other dogs. So yes, he was an animal. Anyway, moving on. So, speaking of Marvel... <laughs> Wait a, wait a minute. <laughs> have you seen um, Have you seen Hawkeye episode one and two yet? I haven't, but they are going to be watched as soon as I finish this podcast. Okay. Um, tune in oh. next week for a list of things Cormac hasn't seen yet. <laughs> Fuck yourself. It's been a busy week for Corm. You're lucky I got here tonight. You're lucky I'm doing this now. You're right. And absolutely. And after this break, we are now going to not discuss Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> Well, as explained, we were going to be talking Ghostbusters Afterlife this week, but life and jobs and happiness get in the way of doing what we love, and you haven't been able to see it. So obviously we're not going to be discussing Ghostbusters Afterlife or uh, any spoilers, so don't worry about that. Next week, middle of this week, next episode, middle, we'll do. We'll definitely do middle week. I'll, I'll, I will go, I, will, I, I have booked, and I will see it on Tuesday. Right, so next episode we will be discussing Ghostbusters 2016 versus Ghostbusters Afterlife um, and comparing the two. But for now, I wanted to bring up something that was I, I thought of while I was watching Ghostbusters Afterlife, and it's something that's becoming more and more of a habit now. And this is what they're calling legacy sequels. So it's not just a sequel of a film release, you know, 25 years after the original. But for me, the trend that I've seen in these films is... Um, to not only reboot the franchise, but to be a sequel to the original film and um, wanting to move the story ahead, create something new. But they also remake the original. Yeah. Now, a few of these are the, the best. I've got a lot of examples, actually, but we'll start with Jurassic World. Now, this was you know 2015 and Jurassic World. If you, if you look into what a legacy sequel is for me, it ticks all them boxes. So it's a sequel to the original, just with a lot of half-assed sort of nods towards the original film. It also reboots the franchise with a new young cast for a new young future. 
but it also remakes the, the first almost beat for beat. We've created a big animal and we don't want it to get out and it does get out and it starts eating people. But this time there's more people on the island, so there's more death. And then we managed to save the day in the end. And it and it's, yeah. And, and well, they've they've already they've already you know done the whole. We'll remake the movie. We remake the movie. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, brilliant. So we've remade the movie. How about this? How about we remake the movie into a new movie? So we don't just remake the movie, but we remake the movie and make it into a new movie. A la Force Awakens. You know, Force Awakens, yeah. Jurassic Park. They they just remake the movie. New people, as you say, put you know younger people in it for a future audience. Blah 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 blah. Better, biggity baggity boom, bang. We got another franchise. But the Force Awakens is another example. It's a legacy sequel, so it's making a sequel not to the Phantom Menace, not to Return, Revenge of the Sith or whatever. It made a sequel to the original back in mm. 1977, and it also retells almost that exact same story. We've got a young hope living on a desert planet that gets saved by a wise old mentor that joins up with a rebellion and defeats a mad ruler with a planet killer weapon. Uh, it's the same <laughs> story. <laughs> it is the movie. It is, is the same that, movie. And is that where we're going now? Have they realised that we can't? Because people, as soon as you tell somebody you want to reboot their childhood memories for a modern day, they freak out. And we saw this with Ghostbusters. And if it's done right, a la Force Awakens, I think people can get on board with it and they can buy into it. But when you're doing it like Ghostbusters, where you're taking what you love from the original film and twisting it from modern day, you're turning it away from what it was. Now, Jurassic World did well. I think um, Force Awakens did well. Tron Legacy, I thought, started this whole sort of vibe off for wanting to make sequels, reboots, everything. Did you ever see Tron Legacy? Was that something? I fucking loved Tron Legacy. I thought it was great. Loved it. Loved it. I, I, I adored the first Tron. I fucking loved Tron Legacy. Um, I just, I was hoping that they would bring out more Tron movies. Uh, you know, Tron Tron has the, the kind of thing in my head. Do you remember War Games, Matthew Roderick War Games? Yep. And it's kind of that with me. You know, what I, movies that, you know, I think we spoke about this really earlier on the podcast, this kind of... Um, Americana kind of movie and Tron was that for me Tron, uh, War Games, Big Trouble in Little China, all those movies were like total Americana movies for me when I was growing up but I think that movie studios know exactly what they're doing, they know that these movies have been popular they know what these movies uh, emote from people's emotions you know so not only have they got me now with Star Wars, A New Hope but they've got me with any remake that they do and they've got me with any um you know reimagining of, of a story or they've got me hooked so because it, it is just you know a massive part of my life and i think that's you know not, not in the terms of legacy sequels but that's what marvel does now and that's what we will see marvel do way way in the future you know way 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 in the future we will get new iron man movies and we will get new captain america movies and you know Robert Downey, Robert Downey Jr. will be the voice of the computer or, you know, just something stupid like that. I think we're going to have reboots of those characters sooner than you think, but we'll come on to that next week. Um, but that, I don't think studios always get it right, though, because the thing that people love and respect is that the, the characters they grew up with, they've, they've spent the last 30, 40 years watching these characters. So Tech Creed, for example, the uh, mm. sequel slash reboot, legacy sequel of Rocky. It was a direct sequel to what, Rocky 2. Um, yeah. and, and, and it was 
and it took Rocky and spun it on his head that he was, you know, he, he's sick, he's an old man, he's dying, but he's given up and he needs Creed to get him off the canvas and fight. And you're thinking, that's not what I've seen from the last five Rocky films. The character that I love, that I grew up with, was a fighter and he always got up no matter how many times you were put down, you got back up and you kept fighting. And then suddenly yeah. we've got this reboot where we're told that the character that we've loved for the last 40 years for exactly that reason, no, forget that because he's no longer that Luke Skywalker. I know it's not the, the sequel Force Awakens, but right at the beginning of The Last Jedi, first thing he does is throw his lightsaber away and straight away it's like, hang on a minute, that's not the character that I grew And yeah, you can yeah. use the argument, characters change. Well, that's not the fucking point of going to see the movie. You're going to see it because I want to see more of those fucking characters. Yeah. Not of who they'd be now. But like, you, then you enter into things like, you know, characters who are just constantly reinventing themselves, but you can't really maybe call them legacy sequels. Like, you know, Batman. Batman is just, you know, forever and forever will just be repurposed and, and replayed yeah. as Batman, Batman, Batman. I, I think Batman's up and those type of characters, you never get a, a full reboot. I don't, you don't need to reboot them. You just tell another mm. story. Everybody knows that person now. But take Michael Myers. So we had the Halloween reboot from Blue yeah. House in 2018. Now, again, we're going into this. Um, we're going to touch Horror on movies perfected. Horror movies, I think, have kind of perfected it in a, in a way. And I think that's where a lot of modern movies go for. Well, they didn't. For, they were trying to reboot them, but now they're going into this. We're, we're doing Halloween. So it's a fresh film, but it's a sequel to Halloween 2. But it didn't on oh us no, Halloween one. But then we're going to know what, what I mean. What I mean by that is that every kind of sequel of like horror movies, Halloween's and Friday the Thirteenth's, the Thirteenth's, they have that thread throughout the movie. Michael Myers and you know in the insane asylum and uh, Jason Voorhees' his mother and being tortured and stuff like that, you know. But every single episode of those is just basically reimagining of. You know the yeah. the first movie. You know every yeah. single one of them is diff is different. Obviously, the, later on down the line, when you get into the fact that you know Halloween H two O was a sequel of you know Halloween three or you know shit like that. So how do you feel about them using these legacy sequels then to basically reboot the whole franchise? Because we've got this with Halloween, and we also got this with Terminator Dark Fate, where you say right, we're going to forget all the sequels we've done, all the reboots. So we're going to Terminator then. So Terminator Dark Fate picked up about six years after Terminator 2. So it's saying we're going to ignore Salvation, we're going to ignore Genesis, we're going to ignore the other piece of shit. I can't remember what that one was. The other one. <laughs> no, can I? Oh, God, it was awful. No, I can't even remember it. Was, was there another one after Genesis? No, there was the, there was the one with uh, Bale. What was the one with Christian Bale? That was Gen uh, Salvation. Salvation. I actually quite enjoyed Salvation. Sorry. Did you? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It just it Terminator I, the Terminator I, franchise has always got this wonderful knack of spoiling its films with the marketing. Yeah. And they did it I, with Salvation, they did it with Genesis. Um no, they want another one after Genesis. Fucking hell, I just thought I'd cast one out. But of my as mind. long for me, for me, it goes down to this, right? If you have had a run of three four movies that you know aren't well received or well regarded or well viewed or whatever you want monetarily viable whatever if you have three movies or more that have been in the toilet then do what you want if you want to keep the franchise going then do what you want but it has to fucking hit first time 
Force Awakens, Force Awakens hit first time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was boom, boom. Force yeah. Awakens was, was phenomenal. You have you have to hit it. You have to hit it because if it's if it's mediocre, I'm sorry, like I'm not I'm not in. Like I'm not in. You've you've just basically you've basically not only now destroyed the world for me, but mm-hmm. you've upset me because I was expecting better. And you talk that destroying the world is quite apt because you've got then a situation such as Terminator Dark Fate where again we have grown up. I I, to, I remember Terminator was one of the first grown up films I was allowed to watch. Yes, I'm here. I've, I've told this before. My dad recorded it on BBC when it ran at 11 o'clock at night. Must have been about 1987, maybe. You know, if it came out in 84, it must have been about three years before it was on TV. So I must have been about five, six years old, maybe five, something like that. And my dad put it on and let me watch it. And I got scared and I ran out of the room and all this. But, you know, I've grown up my whole life with Terminator, knowing it's Skynet, it's Cyberdyne Systems, it's John Connor. Um, and then you, you get Dark Fate, which is saying we want to wipe the slate clean, but we also want to reboot and we want to see. And they just throw everything at it and they kill off your character, they change everything you've known, and they almost turn to the audience going, Huh, what the fuck are you thinking of? You know, who's Skynet? What are you on about, you crazy bastards? It's like they're almost taunting you and saying, No, this is the real the real thing now this is what's happening now why are you so stupid to think something else could be happening why are you an why are you an idiot sat there in the cinema thinking this this is actually how it is now let's carry on and you're like hang on a second for the last 40 years it's been this way and now you're just suddenly telling me this because you want to start a new franchise they've dropped the ball so hard with dark fate they just need to wipe that cancel it forget about it they've tried they've tried doing the far in the future prequel if you want to call it a prequel even though it's in the future with salvation they've tried rebooting the whole franchise with genesis and getting a new sarah connor and then doing the whole going back on nah the whole thing even everything and dark fate wanted to do that where they get the young protagonist who is the leader of the resistance and it's 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 a remake it's a remake of the first film do you look at this but you look at this right let's just sometimes again you've just got to nuke the franchise and go right let's just start again you know, so it's only a matter of time before another Terminator comes out. And it is, you know, original Terminator. You know, this is just modern times. Terminator is now this this is the this is the way the story is. Uh yeah, Skynet is a thing. So let's just do it all over again. Let's just nook the franchise and let's just start all over again. Forget all the fucking you know, history, forget all the you know, the stuff that's gone in the past, forget everything, forget the storyline, forget Sarah Connor. Oh, this is our new character, Sarah Connor. Welcome. This is Sarah Connor. You know, that's what they got to do. I've gone on um, Film School Rejects website uh, for examples of films that are waiting for a legacy sequel to be made on them. And you give me your uh, your Cormac seal of approval of whether you'd think these would work or not. Okay. So, um, Ferris Bueller. No, get fucked. <laughs> Fer- hang on, hang know- on. It's set 30 years. Ferris is now uh, a, a stuffy-nosed teacher with a new student. Ferris would never become a teacher. Okay. Fuck off. Sands of the Lambs 2. Ignore Hannibal. <laughs> All right. Ignore Hannibal, right? Okay, okay. Because that's what we do. We can ignore the sequels. And, okay. we t- and so we do a direct sequel to... Oh, got. sorry. I thought you meant to actually ignore the character Hannibal. No, I thought no, it was no, like, no. right, okay. It's going to be a pretty um, shitty fucking... <laughs> <laughs> and you basically have uh, Clarice Starling, who is, you know, high up in the FBI, and one of her young protégés has a case that comes on. 
and she has to track down Hannibal for his help. And it's basically it's just redoing the first thing. Um, Funeral of the Bride. This sounds awful. I haven't even read it. Was it like, a father, like a father of the bride? Steve Martin returns to the role of George Banks, who has the sad task of preparing his daughter and son-in-law's funeral. Eve, even as his granddaughter's wedding approaches. With their, her father dead, the young woman asks George to give her away, and he becomes the father of the bride to his granddaughter. That sounds awful. Why would anyone want to make a movie like that? Is it going to be a comedy? Martin Short returns. Oh, Martin. Armaz um, Martin Short. Ar, don't be doing it. These are just uh, film school reject suggestions. Pretty Woman. Uh, Vivian. Oh, hold and on. I thought, I thought these were fucking going to be ones. No, that were in no, there. no. These are just ones that, that, that I, I want you to say whether they should be happening or not. Pretty Woman. Uh, Vivian and Edward have an estranged daughter who turns to stripping and streetwalking to pay her college debts. I, I could think of I could think of better storylines than that, like the fact that Richard Gere's character gets AIDS or something. <laughs> Three men and a baby's baby. <laughs> no, hold on. If dancing Gutenberg and fucking Selick are in it, I'm all in. Well, this is what you do with Legacy. You get the three icons. No, pack. they would have they no no they would have to star in it. I don't want any new characters. I don't well, no, I don't want I want Mary. Brilliant. I want Mary there. I want uh, yeah. Do you know what would be, I think, a great film, a great spin on that? Three three men and a baby's baby. They've turned up for the, the birth or whatever. Mary's got three guys hanging around who are all gonna be the dad. She doesn't know which it is because she had them all in a four-way one night. Brilliant. Paul, <laughs> Paul, just write it now. I'm, I'm there already. I am at the cinema already. I'm queuing up now. That's that. a big twist. Nobody wants to mention which one's the dad or who could be the dad. It's always kept quiet, but these three guys just hang around. Modern times, man. Modern times, baby. And that's the big twist towards the end where she's going into labour and, you know, Tom Selleck's there. Just tell us, Mary, who's the dad? And then can the last can the last line in the movie be, well, Bobby went in my butt. <laughs> I can feel myself. I'm over you. <laughs> the 80s. Close up a Don Selleck's like a gasp face. <laughs> Just at the end of three. Yeah, same shot. End of three minutes a little later, yeah. Um, fatal attraction. Okay. Um, Dan's daughter Ellen has grown up to have some serious attachment issues. She starts stalking a married co-worker, so basically his daughter becomes the stalker to a new star. Woman. And I know who it's going to star as well. Jake Gyllenhaal, Tyler creepy, Perry, creepy pervert. Um, and then of course we've got um, Top Gun Two coming out next year. It should have been out by now. Maverick, Maverick, Top Gun Two, Top Gun Maverick, Top right. Gun Two uh, is coming out next year. Uh, so we've got that, which is legacy sequel yeah i think it's ticking all them boxes there um and there's also the long-awaited uh, news that twins is getting its sequel apparently is, uh, is devito and schwarzenegger in it apparently uh, as is eddie murphy and it's going to be called and it's going to be called triplets yeah <laughs> do you know what <laughs> i'd still watch it <laughs> i'd go see that <laughs> Can I just say, I think that three men and a little, and three men and a baby's baby. 100%. Three men and a baby's baby. But he's for modern times. What yeah. a great fuck. And you've got these three guys. You've got Guttenberg, Danson, and Selick having to cope with a pregnant woman in the house. They've just, they're in a retirement village, living together still. Oh, no, it has to be like a, 
swingers retirement village as well like a like a upscale rich person's retirement village dancing will be going around there like zach from saved by the bell still he will his cock will never be wet <laughs> dry yeah i'm <laughs> older these people <laughs> but getting uh i reckon todd phillips to direct that listen i'm i'm already there i've told you i'm in already like just write the fucking thing and <laughs> let, let and just let me scream about it. That's and all let I gotta magic do. Happen. Let's yeah, just do let that. the I'm magic happen. Yep. Let let the magic happen. And like I'll just be the I'll be the hype man, you know. <laughs> and you see a cock in it too. <laughs> <laughs> just at the, just at the end, it's all oh, this really? nice. It's just a nice PG, uh, PG thirteen. You know, three dads and three young lads, and the, you know, and then right at the end. <laughs> There's the mirror from Boogie Nights. Ten dancing blocks in the room. But it it's has just... to be like, just think of, think of a room with no sound, right? And then all you hear is this. And Ted dancing is like banging his cock off of both of his legs. <laughs> Sorry, I got too... <laughs> he just got too excited there. <laughs> so anyway, that's... <laughs> That's legacy, legacy sequels. <laughs> I'm literally just looking for the little girl and three men and the little lady, see if she's done anything else. <laughs> Dead little um, bastard. Thun- Thunder in Paradise. The Thunder TV in, with the Hulkster. Hulk Hogan, yeah. Okay, yeah. What was her name? Robin Wiseman. She never done anything else. Hold on, hold on. There's there's a DVD saying there's a, a three disc box set for Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> Surely not only had like six episodes. I'm going to say it's one episode per one episode per disc. What the fuck is this? I don't know how many fucking episodes of this show was there. Oh, Fiona Shaw was in Three Men and a Little Lady as well. Hold on, Paul. This has got me now. Like, how many episodes is in this? You're listening to the Movie Chef podcast. I'm just sorry, like, but this where is like, we Google about movies. <laughs> <laughs> Thunder in Paradise, hello. TV show, all right. Thunder in Paradise boat. Uh, I fucking th- what the fuck? It's, this is a three disc box set. There's 22 episodes. So I'm going to mute Combat for now. So you can find us on Twitter at Pod Movie Chef. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram. Com. You muted me, so I can't talk. I mean, shit. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about Instagram? Shut up and let's just get past this. <laughs> okay, we there is a very likelihood that we are going to have a new uh, a new chef looking after our social media because uh, I I somebody can't work Twitter <laughs> wanker. I, <laughs> I only I only tweet like three times a week, and I've got a feeling if we want to try and promote it, we actually need to do something to promote it rather than us just releasing episodes and hope people listen to us. So we're going to have a new how about we get How about we get the cast of Thunder in Paradise to come on? And just, oh, uh, yeah, I'll make a few calls. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, we're going to be talking Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Afterlife. That's on uh, the weekend, first weekend of December. Um, and then, so we've got uh, the 12th is going to be, the following episode is going to be our Christmas menu. You decided what our Christmas menu is going to be on this year. Uh, but it would be a travesty if we just didn't do Christmas movies. So, yeah, but we did them. Um, we did them last nope. year. But we can look back and look. Okay, smartass. Christmas movies that are Christmas movies. Ha ha. 
Christmas movies that aren't Christmas movies. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, and yeah, then... Christmas the... No, nope, we're doing it. Trains, planes, automobiles. <laughs> I thought you were going to say train spotting. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we're going to have a Christmas quiz uh, with a mystery surprise uh, quiz master who is going to be testing me and you. Um, then it, over Christmas weekend, we're pretty much going to be drunk and full and stuffed. So we're going to have a taking like taking like a month off. Yeah, so we're going to be doing our Christmas leftovers, and you'll be able to hear. All the shit that we say. <laughs> before. You, don't want, you don't want to hear the fights that happen before everything starts to roll. Just put your fucking hand up. Just put your fucking hand up. Can you stop interrupting me? Stop Jesus, it. Stop fucking, there's two of us here, Cormac. There's two of us here. Um, and then, yeah, the following week, we're going to do our look back at uh, 2021, our top favourite TV shows and films. Our quick look ahead to 2022. Uh, the 2021 episode didn't do that great. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just think people don't want to listen to us talk about what films are coming out. Do you fancy no. that one? Yeah, no. Yeah, um, yeah, of course I'm going to do it. Um, but I've, I've then... just dropped in. I've just dropped in that I found Thunder in Paradise too. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm still in the Thunder in Paradise mode. Sorry. And then going into January, one of the first things I want to do is movie vampires menu. I want that to be our first for Morbius coming out. So, oh, okay. um, movie vampires, the best and the worst movie vampires. Oh, that's sorry, that's another one thing that I've been watching. Uh, season three of What We Do in the Shadows. Mwah. Can't get past episode. It? Can't get past episode one. Ah uh, no. I did watch Hellbound on Netflix, the new South Korean uh, dark yeah, yeah. fantasy. Fucking shit. Oh really? Mm, I just really didn't get into it. Well, I watched it all, but I kind of got to episode five and I was like. Well, I've got to watch the last one now, Anna. <laughs> yeah, I get that with some of those and TV shows. You know when there's a concept and they just fuck the concept, like The Purge, great mm. concept, what should we do? Mm. A home invasion film. And you're like, you could do anything with this concept and it's just some people trying to get in a house. This is like, it's all about organised religion and... I don't fucking care to be honest. People say, I watched it because people were saying, "Could this rival Squid Game?" And I'm there thinking, "That's just an article now that's been paid for by Netflix to get people watching it." Um, and fuck them all. So yeah. Um, anything else from you, mate? Oh no, I can't wait to get in and get warm. I'm sweating my cock off in here, mate. I'm, I've got um, the heating. Heating's been not- on forty-eight hours running, so that's probably I've got to remortgage the house now. It's not an episode of the Movie Chef podcast unless I am freezing and you are sweating in your juices. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> on the note, I'm... Uh, and on that note, we're going to go sweating to our juices. Uh. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.